You're listening to Your Highest Self Podcast, episode 72. Today, we're talking about how to make conscious pivots in your life when you feel unfulfilled. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in your mind and doing it with me today. If you are a returning loyal listener, welcome back always so happy to see you. And if you're brand new, welcome. My name is Shanae. I'm a spiritual life coach and my mission is to help women break through self-doubt and perfectionism, heal their limiting beliefs and take massive action. So they, AKA you can reach your highest potential in business and life. This week, we are talking about pivoting and how to make pivots in our life, not just make pivots in our life, but making conscious pivots. Because when you're on a self-growth journey, it's inevitable that you start to outgrow your current self. There comes to a point when you just know that what you're doing isn't fulfilling you and it's time to make a change. Maybe that change looks like like totally shifting your career or just making a small pivot. Maybe it looks like a change in your relationship, a change in your day-to-day habits, your actions, and maybe a change in your business and your coaching niche. So here's the thing. The biggest mistake that you can make is to not change at all, really. Even if you make the wrong change, that's better than making no changes because any single action you take and like whatever you say yes to now is eventually going to lead you down the aligned path for you. So the biggest mistake is not doing anything, but the other big mistake is to just change so suddenly and make an impulsive reaction that you jeopardize everything that you've built. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about how to make pivots in your life that lead you to fulfillment and not burnout or regret. So in this episode, I'm going to walk you through how to make conscious pivots in your life. And we're going to cover impulsive versus indecisive versus conscious decisions to make changes using your human design and authority for conscious decision making, tapping into the mindset of adaptability and facing your fears head on. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to make the official announcement that enrollments for the Highest Self Mastermind are open. I'm so excited. I've had the most amazing discovery calls so far for this 2021 uh, mastermind. This mastermind is for you if you are a coach who knows that the next layer of your healing and self-growth isn't going to come from just reading books or listening to podcasts or reading Instagram content. It's going to come from you doing the deep work and creating deeper alignment within yourself. What I love about this mastermind is that we combine feminine flow with masculine strategy. So we're doing the deep work, we're doing the foundational work, but we're also following it up with execution. When we're in that feminine flow, we're able to very much tap into our intuition and what's the next right step for us. We're able to heal any limiting beliefs, heal our trauma, and really tap into that divine feminine leadership. And then we're able to support that with masculine strategy. So it's very much how I run my business, how I, what I embody, and it's what I bring into this coaching container. It is a 10 month mastermind for coaches and service-based entrepreneurs and the focus and what you will get out of it is a breakthrough, any limiting beliefs that are holding you back, taking massive action, (laughs) 
massive action and then creating that conviction you need to be a self-confident leader because I know that you have a purpose and that you're here to change people's lives and it's time for you to step into that purpose because a disservice to your future clients if you don't. So if this speaks to you, if you've been listening to the show for ages, if you're a coach, maybe you want to be a coach, you're still aspiring, still reach out to me, go to the link down in the show notes and um, send in an application. Let's hop on a discovery call. The worst case scenario is that it's not for you. So the link to apply is down below. Okay, let's get into it. So I first want to start off by talking about why you're not making a change. I think it's really important to acknowledge where you're currently at right now and what might be holding you back from making those changes versus just going like straight into, oh, you have to change your life. So um, the three main ones that I came up with is at the core, you don't trust yourself. So perhaps you don't trust yourself that you're making the right decision or you're making the most aligned decision. Maybe you don't trust yourself to follow through. Maybe you don't trust that what is for you will come for you. Another core belief is maybe you fear what will or will not happen. So if you make the career change, what if it doesn't work out for you? If you leave the toxic relationship, what if you never find somebody again? And then the last reason why you're not making a change is worry. Worry is so poisonous, you guys. When we worry about something that hasn't happened yet, we're basically like future projecting a scenario that could happen. So why are we sitting here worrying about things that haven't happened yet? And it's so easy to say, but I also worry. So I get it. These are the three main reasons why I notice a lot of my clients hold back from making changes and and changes that are not impulsive, changes that they've been thinking about for a very long time and have been a long time coming. Usually these are the three things that really hold them back. So it's just important to acknowledge because what we don't acknowledge, we cannot change. And once you've acknowledged in yourself, you know what, I don't trust myself and that's what's holding me back. Or you know what, I'm really scared, (laughs) super scared. And I'm scared it's not gonna work out. I'm scared it's not gonna happen. And meeting yourself compassion right there. So once you've met yourself with compassion, as always, then we can dive into the work. So let's first talk about decision-making. We're going to compare impulsive versus indecisive versus conscious. So impulsive decision-making is when we don't want to sit with the discomfort of making a decision. So you just shotgun it. You just do it, right? Indecisive is when you don't want to sit with the discomfort of making the wrong decisions. You overanalyze, you overthink. Conscious decision-making is when we're willing to sit with the discomfort and use our inner authority of our human design and our self-trust, which comes with practice, to make the best decision for us without external feedback. So this is what's really important. So many of us look outside of ourselves for validation or for the answers. We don't want to sit with that discomfort of, you know, what if... What if this will work out? What if this doesn't work out? And we're very quick to go and ask other people what they think. This was very much me for so many years. I really relied heavily on coaches, on people who I looked up to, to be like, is this the right decision or is it not? Or I'd ask my husband. And in my head, I had such a black and white thinking of something is right or something is wrong. And it was so hard for me to make 
any decisions, to make any conscious decisions and to, to pivot things in my life without feeling like so much anxiety and so much angst and just so much resistance. So I want you to kind of think about where are you? Are you the impulsive type or are you the indecisive type? And maybe you're a mix of both. And next time you sit down to make a decision when you're feeling that discomfort and you either want to be indecisive or you want to be uh, impulsive, take some time to sit with the discomfort. Because that discomfort is there for a reason. It's there because you're about to make a very big change in your life. And it's important for you to stop and pause and be present and give this decision that you're about to make like your full attention. So let's talk about inner authority. So I'm not a human design expert, but I use human design within my coaching programs with my one-on-one clients, um, mainly inside the highest self mastermind. And I love it. I mean, I think you guys know this, but I'm a huge geek when it comes to any personality type test. I just, I just love it. Do I believe in all of it? Of course not. You make it work for you. It's like not a belief system, but it's just about taking, it's another tool. It's not a belief system. It's a tool. So what I did was I put together all the different types of inner authorities that we have. There's two that I'm not going to go like super deep into, um, but I'm going to talk about the one, two, three, four, five main ones. If you don't know what your inner authority is, what you can do is you can go to jovianarchive.com and get your free chart there. Um, you can also go back to our episode with Erin Claire Jones, who's a human design expert, and she also has a place on her website where you can look up your chart for free. We'll have the Jovian archive link down in the show notes for you. So you can quickly look up your chart while you're listening to this. So you know what I'm talking about. So the inner authority, what that means, it's how we process information. And it's, um, this is like my own definition, not the official human design definition, but what I believe it is, it's, I think it's um, our inner authority of how we process and make decisions and how we process information. So there's a couple different kinds of authorities and it's going to change depending on what main type you are. So if you're a projector, reflector, manifesting generator, generator, et cetera. So the first type of authority that I'm going to talk about is called sacral. And this is actually my own uh, inner authority. When you have, oh, and when you look at your chart, uh, if you go to the Jovian archive one, it'll say right there, inner authority, which one your authority is. So if you have a sacral authority, this means that you respond in the now to impulses coming from an outside, like external feedback. So you might respond with like a, uh-huh, or like a, uh-uh. And a lot of times you feel your body opening up and saying like, yes, this is it. This is for me. Or you feel yourself kind of contracting and closing and you can kind of viscerally feel it in your, in your gut, your abdomen, if it's not the right decision for you. So this is really, really hard for me because I didn't trust myself for so many years that I didn't even trust my body when it was trying to tell me yes or no. Um, especially after all of the um, trauma from disordered eating. So, you know, this does take a while to, to sort of regain that trust back in yourself, but it comes with doing it with practice. So that's your sacral. If you have a sacral inner authority, you want to listen to how your body is reacting to an outside thing. So say I'm like scrolling on Instagram and I see an ad for um, throw pillow covers because I just bought some. And I see it and I'm like, oh yes. Like I get excited. I'm like, oh yes. Like this is what I need. That's a yes. 
if I see it and I'm like, mm, but maybe then that's a no. So it's very much like in the moment. So now if you have a splenic inner authority, you're meant to make decisions um, like in the moment. When you have the splenic inner authority, you have an immediate body awareness and it only happens once. Um, so it's really important for you to be very in tune with your intuition and to have that self-trust that like what is for you is coming for you and what is not for you will pass you. So it only happens once. Whereas with like a sacral, it's not just once. And I can look at something and respond to it multiple times to make, to make the decision. So um, for a splenic, if it's a no, it's going to feel like you want to run away. And if it's a yes, the feel good feeling in your body, like that well-being feeling is going to enhance. It's going to get better. So it's kind of like when you hang out with someone and afterwards you feel terrible. And then when you hang out with someone and, and you feel amazing because their energy was good, you like them, it felt good. It was the right decision, the right choice. Okay, moving on. Next, we have emotional inner authority. And this, if you have this authority, when making decisions, you need time. <laughs> so you should not make decisions when you're still riding that wave of high or that wave of low. So sleep on it, get better at telling people, let me think about this. I'll circle back with you tomorrow. Um, don't say yes or no in the moment. When you have this emotional inner authority, it just means that like you just need time for those emotions to ebb and flow for you to make the decision that's like best for you. So you make their best decisions when you're not emotional. And that means either positive or negative. Moving on, the next one is the ego inner authority. So if you have this one, it means that your decision making comes from how you um feel about something when you talk about it. So if your tone of voice feels like very majestic and it feels very vibrant and you have this like visceral feeling of willpower that you can do this, you want to do this, like this is for you, then that means it's a yes. And if you don't have that at all, it means it's a no. And then the last one that I'm going to talk about is the G inner authority. And this one simply is you are guided by your higher self. I think this one is very rare. Again, I'm not a human design expert, but what I know about this one, it is, it is very rare. And I think it's mostly reflectors that have this and reflectors are like 2% of the population or something like that. And um, this means that you are guided by your higher self. So you intuitively get hits either verbally or auditorially or visually, however you you are connected with your intuition and that guides you in making decisions best for you. The other two that I'm not going to talk about um, are having no inner authority, um, but you're rather process oriented. So there's one that is mental and then lunar. So these ones, you don't have like an internal guiding system. It's more so like you go through the process of things and then you know if something is aligned or not aligned for you. So again, my intention with sharing the inner authority for human design is to share with you like how you best make decisions in, in your own body, how you can make the best aligned decisions for you. I love human design. I think everyone should know what their type is, what their inner authority is and learn to practice it and really learning to live your life by it. Again, not using it as a belief system, but really using it as a tool. 
once I learned that my inner authority was my sacral, first of all, I was shocked because I was like, that doesn't make any sense because I don't trust my gut at all. <laughs> and it was almost kind of like a wake up call to me of, hey, you can actually trust your gut to know if a decision is in alignment or not in alignment for you. And I, I was shocked. I was surprised. I was like, this is so cool, but how do I learn how to do it? Um, because at the time when I was really diving into human design, I had like no like connection to my body. I didn't trust myself at all. I thought all the answers were outside of me. I thought I needed to hire people. Um, I couldn't make decisions. I was like, God, I don't know if I want to continue with this or that or what do I name my program? I mean, I was a hot mess. So learning to tap into my inner design, tap into the sacred response that I naturally have that's here to help me guide my decision-making was a game changer. So now that you know what your inner authority is, your homework, your love work is to practice practice using your inner authority. So like I said in the very beginning, like this isn't just something that you're going to pick up right away, or maybe you do, who knows, maybe you're amazing. Um, but if you are coming off of like decades of working against yourself, not trusting yourself, then um, start very small, start super small. Like what do I um, use your inner authority for these couple questions I'm going to throw at you? What do I want to eat? What do I want to wear? Should I go there? Should I text this person back? Do I want to read this book? Like really simple yes or no answers and tune into your body for how your body responds to these things. It's so cool. Uh, the other tool that I have um, is a pendulum. I don't have my pendulum here, but our body emits an energy when something is a yes or a no. And there's this really cool documentary that I haven't seen yet, but I just remember was reminded of it about how our heart is like very smart. I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to watch the documentary, then I'll come back to you guys. But basically, I think the gist of the documentary is like our heart is so smart and it knows before our brain knows. And a lot of times what happens is that our brain tries to rationalize and keep us safe, right? Um, and so it'll rationalize decisions to say yes or no to something, but our heart knows before our brain does. So when we're using a pendulum, it is um, a pendulum is a is a um, it looks like a necklace uh, without a loop. So it's just a, a necklace with something hanging on the bottom, and when you hold it in front of you, and when you say yes, the pendulum is going to swing a certain way, and when you say no, the pendulum is going to swing the other way. And when you say, I, when you're not sure, the pendulum is going to go in a circle. And it takes a while to tune your pendulum to you and to learn how to use it. But essentially, when your body feels a yes, you're exuding a certain type of frequency, a certain type of energy. So that pendulum is going to move a certain way. And when your body is saying no, the pendulum is going to swing the other way, simply from that energy that is exuded through you. Something that you may not know is that out of our communication, only 7% is words. The other 93% is your energy. Isn't that crazy? The other 93% of our communication is energy. So uh, it's kind of like when you go to, I don't know, a seminar and um, you're most attracted to the speaker who exudes a certain type of energy versus a speaker who's like, 
very monotone and really sad and just speaks like this the whole time. It might be really good information, but it's really boring and you can't seem to get excited about it. You know what I mean? So because that 93% of how we speak is actually energy, that's what's making the pendulum swing back and forth. So um, other than that, those two tools are the ones that I most recommend for you. Oh, I have one more. If you do have a sacral authority, uh, one of the things that I started to do was I would close my eyes and I would put one hand on my heart and one hand on my gut. And I would practice by asking myself, again, simple yes or no questions and feeling what yes felt like in my body and like where yes felt and then where no felt like. So to me, yes, I felt it in my heart and then no would feel like a, like a hard, deep thing in my belly. So it's like, if I felt that kind of like heaviness, I'm like, oh, that's a no. And if I felt light and bright, it was like, oh, that's a yes. So again, it comes a practice, but the more that you practice and the more you practice trusting yourself, the easier it's going to be to make decisions. And so start really small with these super easy decisions, like where do you, what do you want to eat? Where do you want to go? And then you'll be able to build that self-trust. It's going to compound. So when it comes to these really big life decisions you want to make, like changing your career, leaving in a, a relationship, you'll be able to really trust yourself and make that decision from a conscious place versus like being impulsive or being indecisive for another couple of years. Disclaimer, not all your decisions are going to work. <laughs> not every decision you make is going to be in alignment. Sometimes you're going to make the wrong choice and that's okay. And I think that's the other thing that holds us back from making big changes in our life, conscious big changes, pivots in our life, is that we are so scared to fail. We're so scared that it's not going to work. We're scared that, I don't know, like we're just scared of all these things that may or may not happen. So it's really important for you to have a mindset of adaptability. Even if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay. Even if it doesn't work out, I'm gonna be okay because I choose to. So for example, I had a, um, I had a client who was launching a program and I'm trying to think if this is the right story for it. This isn't the right story for it. So I'm gonna take that back. But if I think of a story as I'm recording, I will, I will give it to you guys. But just know that we've, we've gotta be, we've gotta be adaptable with our mindset. You know, we have to be willing to switch gears to pivot, to turn when something isn't going the way we want it to. Oh, here's a story. It's a personal story. Um, so as many of you guys know, I was a professional competitor and I competed for five plus years um, as a pro. And I um, developed a lot of connections. I made a very big name for myself within the industry. And then I started to coach competitors. And um, funny enough, I was a really great coach. A lot of my clients won their pro card and first place at their first show. They would go from amateur to pro instantly. And they didn't develop eating disorders, didn't develop body image dysmorphia. They didn't starve themselves. They didn't take diuretics. They uh, didn't take steroids. They ate tons of carbohydrates because I coached them in a very specific way because I'm just crazy like that in terms of I'm, I'm all about excellence. And so I was a very good competition prep coach, but I was growing. 
I was on a spiritual self-development journey. I was changing. My interests were changing. I wasn't so much interested in fitness anymore. I wasn't even working out as hard as I used to. I'd work out like two or three times a week. I was no longer tracking my macros. I didn't care about what my body looked like. And I cared more about uh, life coaching. I cared more about developing women personally. And I think that's also another reason why these clients did so well is because because even though we were doing fitness and nutrition coaching, I, I very much focused on their personal development and their life coaching. And that's the part that I loved. I loved helping them be their authentic self and to showcase that on stage because so much of being a competitor is performing and trying to please the judges. And I was like, don't do that. Like be yourself, be authentic, show up as you want, wear the color that you want, do your hair the way that you want. Like you're paying for this. Come on. So um, even though I was a great competition prep coach, I was outgrowing that role. I was outgrowing that identity. And I had a I felt very stuck because I think it was like the end of 2018, end of 2019, and I was getting so many inquiries. You know, all year long, I'd get inquiries for the next year because if you compete, you know, you want to like be doing a reverse diet and, you know, have a lot of time before you start your prep. And so a lot of girls were reaching out to me a year in advance and I had to make the decision to say no and to send them elsewhere. And that was really hard as an entrepreneur because you're basically saying no to money <laughs> um, and you're saying no to like work. Um, and it, it was hard. And I had a decision to make then and there. Am I going to continue to do competition prep clients? Am I going to continue down this path even because I'm good at it, even though it doesn't completely fulfill me? Or am I going to make that very conscious, big decision to pivot, to pivot my business? And I tell you guys, I mean, I cried every single day for, for a long time uh, as I was coming to that decision. But I knew that in order for me to expand to my highest potential, I had to pivot. I had outgrown that version of myself. I was no longer just a competition prep coach. I was a life coach. And I knew that there was so much more for me to accomplish in that area than, than just being a competition prep coach, just a fitness coach. So making that conscious decision to pivot was very hard, but I, I listened to my inner authority. I ha had coaches who held space for me, who helped me see the blind spots, who helped me not make irrational, you know, impulsive decisions to like, let all my clients go. Um, and I think that sometimes when we have a black and white mentality, that's like where our brain goes. We're like, well, if I want to be an entrepreneur, then I have to quit my job. <laughs> if I want to start life coaching, I have to let go of all my fitness coaching clients. And that's not the case. There's always space for an and. So I finally came to this conclusion that like, oh, I can start doing more life coaching and support the current clients that I have. I can let my clients know this isn't going to be my main focus and let those who no longer align with it leave, right? And those who are still aligned with me, they can stay. And I still do have some competition with clients, you guys. So um, all of that to say that th that decision worked, but not all of them will. And it's okay. 
Um, and now that I think about it, I think the really, really big ones, like these big decisions that you're holding yourself back on, I think they will always work out um, because I think things are always working for us and working in our favor. So even if they technically don't work out, I know that somewhere along the line, like many years later, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, ah, that's why that happened like that. Patrice Washington, who's one of my favorite podcasters, if you don't listen to her show, Redefining Wealth, you definitely should. She says that rejection is redirection. And ever since she said that, when I heard her at a, um, at a conference a couple years ago, which has always stuck with me, and I've never been afraid to fail since then, because I know that rejection is just redirection. So that segues into the next topic beautifully, which is facing your fears head on. Um, you just do it, you guys. Like, we just have to do it. So I'm going to give you a couple of journal prompts to help you face your fear head on. Um, three questions that you can ask yourself is, what's the best case scenario? What is the best case scenario? And, and think as big and dream as big as you can here. Next question, what's the worst case scenario? And then the, the follow-up question to that one is, if the worst were to happen, could I survive this? A lot of times we make our fears very irrational. And even if you have the most irrational story pop up, you most likely can live through it. You most likely could survive it. You most likely could. So this is a, a really great way for you to get all these thoughts out and onto paper and for you to consciously see like, the best case scenario is this. And if, even if the worst happened, like it's not a big of a deal, that's going to help give you some motivation and some confidence to make these changes. Um, I have a couple other pieces of advice for you as you face your fears head on. One of the things is going to sound a little bit counterintuitive, but like, just don't be stupid. <laughs> um, you don't have to burn down like what you've built and what you're currently doing to achieve more. Uh, the all in mentality works like being all in with what you're doing. But like, if you have a nine to five, please don't quit your nine to five. Like, please don't do something stupid for, for something like is free to make a change. Um, whenever I have a new client and she has an aha moment, uh, they are, my clients are required to take 48 hours before making any huge life changes, like getting a divorce quitting their job or moving their life because sometimes this happens and you're like, Oh my God, I need to change everything in order to go all in. And you don't, you really, really don't. There's an incredible book. I think it's called originals. I forget who the author is, but he talks about a, um, he talks about a company called Warby Parker. You've probably heard of them. Um, they do, they're like an online retailer for glasses. So for prescription glasses, they send you a bunch of glasses. You can try them on and send back whichever ones you don't want to use. And at the time when they were still in college and it was just an idea, um, their professor said that this wasn't going to work because they were not willing to go all in. They were not willing to quit the current jobs that they had in order to invest all their time and money into this business. And because of that, the, the professor was like, this isn't gonna work. But lo and behold, they, they keep working on it. You know, like they were committed to it. Like, yeah, some of them had jobs outside of this, this uh, seed 
I don't know what you call it, the startup, that's what it's called, but they still worked on it and they didn't like totally burn down everything else and quit everything that they were doing in order to bring this startup to life. And what I really liked about what the advice that this author had to give was that he was saying that we do better when we have um, like a safety net. And I, and I, this is like controversial advice because you hear people say that you have to get to a place where you're at rock bottom and you have no safety net in order to propel yourself over the cliff to just go and do it. But I think differently. I don't think you have to be at rock bottom to make a change. And I don't think you have to like quit your whole entire life to make changes. In fact, I think that if you're thinking that way, that it's just an excuse and that you're not actually committed enough or that you don't trust and believe in yourself enough for it to work. So you think you have to have all this the odds stacked against you in order for you to make it through. So just something to really think about if you have been avoiding making a big change in your life and pivoting because you think that you have to like quit your job or completely start brand new, like that's just not true. I think that's a limiting belief and some inner child wounds for you to work through. And some other pieces of, uh, pieces of advice I have for you is to seek advice um, and mentorship from those above you, specifically those people who have been through what you're going through. Um, it, sometimes you have people who give great advice and take their own beliefs and fears and experiences out of it. But if you are going to get true mentorship, I would choose someone who has been in your shoes or was in the shoes that you're going through now. So they can really like give you good advice from hindsight. Um, and just remember that your fears are there to keep you safe. The subconscious mind, its primary role and job is to keep our body safe, to preserve ourselves. So a lot of times you are so scared of taking that next step. You're so scared of making this change because you don't feel safe outside of it. So just recognize that you are stepping outside of your comfort zone. And that's a really beautiful thing. Anytime I feel worry or fear or doubt, yeah, I feel the feeling at first. And then I remind myself how blessed I am to be feeling this because I'm really pushing myself. I'm really, really extending myself beyond my comfort zone. And I feel really proud of that. Last but not least, do not self-reject yourself. And that's what worrying is. Anytime you worry, you are self-rejecting. You are telling yourself that it's not going to work. So being worried about things that haven't happened yet is not serving you. So just don't do it easier said than done, but I'm going to say it anyways. So you guys, I hope this episode was helpful. I hope that you got a couple of things from it, um, that you were able to learn what your human design inner authority was, and that you learned how to start to trust yourself again, how to start to make decisions that are in alignment with your highest self so that you can make conscious pivots moving forward in your life so that you can live a true life of fulfillment. Again, if you are a coach, aspiring coach, and this work speaks to you, if you are ready to step outside your comfort zone and really stretch yourself beyond your potential that you currently have, come and join the Highest Self Mastermind. The link to apply is down in the show notes. And that's all from me, you guys. I hope you have an amazing week. I'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Don't forget to be your highest self. Bye for now.